Hello, caller, you're on the air. Hello? Hello, how are you? I'm very good, how are you? Good, how can I help you? I just wanted to call and say thank you. Thank you. Yeah, you're welcome. Uh, this is John Edward calling. I'm so humbled that you invited me on your show. Thank you so much, and good luck. Thank you. you you're the best. All because right. just, you are All so right. right. You're right on the tee. You have not said nothing that I don't know anything about. Your colors are fantastic. That's wonderful. You know, I feel a lot more comfortable. I felt good tuning in. Uh, I just got good energy when the reminder of the show came across my profile. And uh, the fellow hosting it has had really great guests and good energy. And, you know, it it, it feels really good. Uh, May everybody's heart's desires uh, be divinely blessed. Good. Good. Thank you. I want to thank you so much for giving me a chance to be on your show. I really enjoyed it. Uh, thank you so much, Tori, for joining me. Oh, it was a pleasure. We could have done two hours, Michael, you know? <laughs> One more. Okay. Please, don't be me. It is you, dear, 727. Oh, my God. I don't think I was talking to anybody. <laughs> you talking to Michael. Oh, my God. You're listening to Be The Light Now Radio, and I'm your host, Michael Carbone. I know a lot of you are shocked at the Casey Anthony verdict. So was I. Um, But anyways, we're going to be talking about that in a little while, because our guest said uh, he can touch on that a little bit. I'm going to bring him on in just a moment. Uh, Let me just go ahead and bring him on. He's an entertainment industry CEO, author, and speaker. 
and he has a book out, The Gentle Way, a self-help guide for those who believe in angels, and The Gentle Way 2, the story continues. Welcome to the show, Tom. Great. Thank you for having me, Michael. So other than that, tell everyone a little bit more about yourself. Oh, okay. I really have been business-oriented. I've owned my own businesses for uh, the past 40 years. And um, so I, uh, about 14 years ago, I discovered that I could request benevolent outcomes in my life. And you have to understand, because I'd been business-oriented, I'd read all the books on law of attraction and power of positive thinking and uh, all these books that that uh, uh, I could read on how I could manifest, uh, you know, wealth uh, doing my, uh, you know, starting with my small businesses that I started with absolutely no money. And uh, I just found that in requesting benevolent outcomes, it worked absolutely perfectly. I'd never been able to say that about any modality that I had tried any method, um, but this this worked perfectly, and and lo and behold, that's that started me on a a really different path that I never knew I would take. So tell us a little bit more about the book, because I see you've got two of them: the Gentle Way and then the Gentle Way Two. Sure, the the first book. Um, uh came about because as i said i started this 14 years ago and and i wound up starting to write some articles about uh requesting benevolent outcomes in a spiritual magazine called the the Sedona Journal of Emergence okay and and it was extremely well received and i um uh, I, I was happy, you know, to do that, and and they even put it on their website, the story because uh, the stories because they were so well received by their audience. And as time went on, though, um, I was about the only one pushing this, and I had had uh, a shaman from the 1600s uh, channeled for me by a, a master trance channel by the name of Robert Shapiro. And he's written, oh, over 20 books or so on the Explorer race, if anyone ever wants to read where we came from and where we're going. And um, and so uh, I went to a, a seminar in Sedona, Arizona, uh, on improving your psychic ability. And it, this was the Dick Sutton seminar, and I'd been to a couple before, so I didn't think I would get anything out of it. But my wife wanted to go, and so I said, "Well, I'll I'll go. I'll probably not not get too much out of this, but uh, I'll enjoy Sedona." And so on the second or third day of the seminar, uh, he had uh, a time where he was putting everybody into uh, under hypnosis, and we were supposed to try automatic writing. Well, at that point. I decided that I would uh, try and, and contact this shaman in the 1600s uh, instead of just trying to uh, take a pen and draw circles with it until something happened. And so I said, uh, okay, reveals the mysteries, which was his 
is was his name in English. I said, are you there? And he said, yes, I am, Tom. And I said, oh, this is neat. You know, and so I went on to ask him why, you know, why was I, you know, the one pushing this benevolent outcomes uh, stuff. And and he said, Tom, he said, you're a shaman living at the same time period I am, and you had decided to incarnate into the 20th and 21st century to reintroduce people to the gentle way. And he gave me the name of the book the first time I ever talked to him. And he went on to tell me that that I was supposed to write books on it. And I said, books? I said, you know, I'm a, I'm a business kind of guy. You know, I'm happy. I'm kind of happy uh, distributing films and TV programs internationally. Thought I'd be doing that till I retired. And, and he said, no books. So I said, okay. And so I wrote the, the first book, um, uh, giving a lot of experiences from my travels um, to various film festivals and film markets uh, all over the world. Uh, and, and that became the first book. I, I was able to complete it within uh, less than 90 days. And, uh, and the publisher of the Sedona Journal uh, became the publisher of the book. So that was the first one. Cool. And then how did you come about the second book? Well, the second book came came about because I started receiving uh, first from people reading the Sedona Journal, but then eventually because I started a, a, a newsletter. And I thought, oh, I'll be lucky to do one newsletter a month. Well, quickly it became one every week, and it became quickly a 10- or 12-page newsletter. And people started sending me stories about their success in using this really simple uh, but very powerful spiritual tool in their daily lives. And so I started printing those in the newsletter, and and then the Sedona Journal wanted me to have them published in the magazine, and eventually I compiled all of these stories, and there were so many that uh, on each subject you could think of, work, uh, uh, medical, uh, running around town, travel, all sorts of uh, of different uh, subjects. And I was able to put all these stories into chapters under each subject heading, and they became uh, the second book. The second book was twice as many pages as the first book, and it's filled with all these un- just amazing stories from people from everywhere. I mean, Australia and Europe and the UK and and New Zealand and and all over the United States and Canada and, and South America. So it, it's just a, a lot of neat stories. And people tell me they, they love to read uh, that book uh, before they go to bed at night because they're so inspiring uh, that it, it's just a nice way to close off the day by reading a very inspiring story. So what um, out of the books, what can people learn from reading your books? Well, first of all, they can learn how to request benevolent outcomes. And it's really simple. And I tell people that you really should start with the, the mundane requests because you get immediate feedback. And by a mundane request, I mean something on the order of like, uh, 
I request a most benevolent outcome for a, a parking space in front of uh, this such and such restaurant I'm going to. Thank you. And you don't do it two minutes before you arrive. <laughs> although, although I did the other night when <laughs> we went to um, uh, we went to a movie a, a couple of nights ago at a, a Cinemark theater uh, here in town. And it's a huge theater. It has 20-something screens. And we arrived, and I mean the parking lot was full from one end to the other, and I could see cars going up and down aisles trying to find parking spaces. And so I, I said, oh, I request the most benevolent outcome for finding a parking space quickly. Theo, thank you. And, and so I was, like, led to turn right, and then the second row turned left, and I found the only parking space in probably the whole parking lot in the front of the theater. They they had parking at the very rear with a fairly long walk around the building. So it it does work <laughs> if you let it kind of uh, uh, lead you to a parking space. But normally you're supposed to request these things, you know, if when you're about to leave to go to the restaurant, uh, not you know not uh, when you're pulling in the parking lot like I was. Yeah, I have uh, a little one like that. I call her my meter maid. Yes. And I ask her the fine, before I the go, fine one with meter, the, maid, meter maid, please find me. Yep. Yep. With, uh, with something, on, sure the, enough, uh, something there. on the meter. Yep. Yeah. And, 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 that's, or, and, and that's right. Um, I tell people that that the – you know, when you request these parking spaces, keep in mind that if you don't get one right in front of the front door, maybe there's a reason behind it. And that's the nice thing about about requesting these mundane things because you do get this immediate feedback. You do see when you're driving up that that someone comes out of the parking space right in front of you. Or, you know, someone comes out of the parking space, there's another car in front of you, and you think, oh, uh, it, they're going to get this parking space, and they go right past it, and you pull into the parking space. Um, but there are times when maybe if you don't get the one right close by, it can be a, a couple of reasons. Perhaps uh, there's somebody that's having a bad night, and they come out and they ding the car next to them where you would have been. Or uh, w one of the things that about benevolent outcomes, it does have to be benevolent for you and and for everyone involved in the request, and there could be someone that has a physical problem that really needs that parking space. So I allow, if if I'm a row back, I just know that's the parking space for me. I don't I don't doubt it because I've requested these things so many times, you know, fifteen thousand times, so probably over the last fifteen years that I I know they work perfectly, and there's a reason. For where I wind up, and it is amazing when when they go ahead and do things, and uh, you know most of the time, you know you do get it. And I always tell everyone, you know, when it does happen too, to thank, you know, like I call it the meter maid. I always say thank you, meter maid, and send out love and light. And um, yep, you know, because if not, then uh, you know the meter maid will be like, well, you know what, you're not going to get that spot next time. <laughs> yeah, the, th that's the nice thing about 
make, making benevolent outcomes a habit. First of all, you start with the mundane stuff. You start with your, your drive to work. I request the most benevolent outcome for my drive to work today. Um, or I request the most benevolent outcome for a seat in the subway or the seat on the train or whatever it happens to be. Or I, I request a benevolent outcome for sitting next to somebody, someone that's interesting to talk to or uh, uh, sitting next to someone that doesn't want to talk at all so I can work. You know, there's, there's all sorts of different things that you can do on these mundane requests. And, and eventually, as you learn to trust this, you start requesting the bigger stuff. And, and by, by larger, I mean uh, I request the most benevolent outcome for the perfect job for me or for the perfect home for me or for the perfect mate for me. Okay, and, and suddenly these things you have to understand that, and I'll have people, well, I requested a, a benevolent outcome for the perfect mate for me. It's been a month, and nobody showed up. This doesn't work. You know, you have to understand that these machinations that your own, in my belief system anyway, your own, uh, your own guardian angel handles um, takes time to set up for you. You know, there may be someone in that job that has to be promoted or they have to be offered a, a, a job at a different company before you get that job. Or maybe uh, you actually have to have an interim job where you, where you learn over the space of a year or two enough that you can handle that perfect job that, that comes up in one or two years' time. So there's, there's many things that go on in those machinations that you have to, to accept, and you do that by and trusting and and doing the mundane request first. And how exactly would you go about asking for for the help? Well, you say I request a most benevolent outcome for blank. It's like you have I, I have this huge stack of benevolent outcome request forms sitting on on a desk. But they never go down, okay? And and you also say thank you at the end. You always thank your your guardian angel, and and that's the way. It, it's very very simple. When I was inspired to create this, keep in mind um, when I started and started experimenting with this, there was no one telling me how to do this. So I was like a guinea pig, if you want. Um, I tried it out, but I I was told by my guardian angel when I finally started. Uh, communicating with my own guardian angel in meditation that that I was inspired so that the sentence that I, that is used, if you notice, it calls on no deities. It doesn't say amen or so it is or anything like that. I mean, nothing. It's a very straightforward sentence that any person can use with any religion. So whether you believe that request is going to God or Allah or or, or Buddha, or Muhammad, or Jesus, or whoever you happen to believe in, it doesn't matter because it works perfectly. Okay, it's just in my belief system. I I sincerely believe it's it's my guardian angel who now I've I've asked hundreds, if not thousands, of questions about everything you can imagine. <laughs> uh, I've got a book that's going to be that hopefully will come out in the next few months. If I can just have time to 
write the first chapter and compile the rest of it. And what's the most unusual request that you've heard that's been um, actually got answered from people? Oh, well, some of some of the most uh, dramatic ones I'd have to say are ones where people were really in in danger of losing their lives or or certainly being injured. And I mean, as an example, I had one lady that emailed to tell me that. They had moved up into Kansas or somewhere um, in a house that was sort of out in the country, and suddenly there's a tornado bearing down on the house. And so she grabs the kids, starts to head for the basement, and she requests a benevolent outcome for their safety, and the tornado lifted off and, and went over the house. And that's how powerful the, these requests are. I had another lady that emailed to say, uh, and she titled uh, the email the 60-second home invasion. And she and her boyfriend had just sat down to watch a brand-new TV that their, uh, their roommate had installed for them. And the roommate went to his room, and they were watching TV, and suddenly they heard this loud crash. And, and they went downstairs, and two guys in ski masks, had had knocked down the door, had crashed in the door. Even it was a heavy oak door, and came in and they pistol whipped her boyfriend and and had him down on the floor and they, they kicked her, and and she she started requesting benevolent outcomes. Well, the the roommate had heard this commotion too, and when he saw what was happening, he ran out the back, only dressed in his underwear, uh, skivvies as she called it. And uh, carrying two knives, ran next door. Needless to say, the next door neighbors wouldn't let him in the door. And but when he had gone out the gate, the gate had a bell on it, and it rang. And these two guys obviously got scared off, and they ran out the door with only a billfold, with only an ID in it, and no money, and no credit cards. So, um, again, very dangerous situations. I've had uh, I've had a lady. Uh, tell me that that she almost had a head-on collision going over the Donner Pass uh, in snow, uh, was going 180 degrees the wrong way, and and uh, nobody hit her, and things like that. So I mean, we're you know we're really talking about some very very dramatic things that that come up when uh, when when people are in danger, and they've requested benevolent outcomes enough to think about it because if you haven't done it for the mundane stuff you surely will not remember to do it when your life is in danger you know you'll say i kiss my derriere goodbye you know or something um you just you have to make it such a habit that you're doing it throughout the day at your work you know i've requested a benevolent outcome for my meeting today um things like that you know, with with the boss, whatever it happens to be, there's so many ways that you can use it. Um, use this very very simple spiritual tool, but it works. And the amazing thing is, what I didn't understand when I started doing this 14 years ago, because all I cared about was that it worked perfectly, was that it puts you on a path 
that starts raising your vibrational level. And everybody's out there saying, oh, how can I raise my vibrational level? Well, my my GA Theo, as I call him, my guardian angel Theo, says this is absolutely the simplest way that you could start raising your vibrational level because what you're doing when you make these benevolent outcome requests is that you're starting to co-create with spirit. And he said you can read all the books and all the articles and everything, but until you start implementing uh, uh, and start co-creating, learning to co-create with spirit and learning to be junior creators in training, if you will, um, you are not, you don't go up to that next level. And that's what requesting vanilla outcomes does. It takes you to that next level. Now, will they answer, will they, the angels and I, will they answer everything for us or are there certain things that we, they won't help us with? Um, remember, you're asking for a benevolent outcome, okay? That means the best outcome. There, as I mentioned, there are some rules for requesting benevolent outcomes. First, you have to request the assistance. And, and your guardian angels are told that they're not to help us unless we ask or unless your life is in danger and your soul contract says that you're supposed to live to a, an older age, okay? So you have to request assistance. And I said, well, who who said that? <laughs> who told who told the guardian angels? And he, and he said, your, your souls told us that, that when you created the game, when you created what you're – this experiment, this earth experiment, that was one of the rules is that the only time they help is when we ask. So that's that's the first. And then I, I mentioned before, it has to be benevolent for not only you, but for everyone connected with the request. And and it has to be that way. So, um, and I give it, I usually give it a, um, an extreme example. A soldier in, in say, Afghanistan cannot say, I request a benevolent outcome to kill this enemy before he kills me. That won't work. But if he says, I request a benevolent outcome to come back from this patrol safely, there you go. Or I request a benevolent outcome uh, that that uh, I'm, able, I'm safely able to get from Kabul to my outpost at such and such a place. Thank you. That's that's how you you do benevolent outcomes, and it must be a request for you specifically. Benevolent prayers are for what you say for others. It must be said out loud, or if you cannot speak in writing, okay? Because when you say it out loud, you're creating this energy. You're co-creating, okay? And then there is no limit on the number of times. You can request benevolent outcomes. So those are kind of the rules, and and once you get get that down, um, when you you can and and can't request it, I think that's okay. And and, and there are times when uh, one of the other things I didn't understand when I started requesting benevolent outcomes is that it keeps you on your soul contract. 
and people say, oh, uh, you know, I don't want a sole contract. I want to be able to choose. Well, you, this is a free choice world, and certainly you can choose, but where did that sole contract come from? It came from you, that you put together a sole contract. You put together a sole path that would be the highest living, uh, I, I should say the highest um, uh challenges, the most challenges, the most successes, the most perfect life that you could put together, and that's what you start off with. But because we're veiled as part of this earth experiment, um, we we can go off the reservation, so to speak. We can take another path. But when you start requesting benevolent outcomes, it will keep you on the path. As I found out um, several years ago when I decided to try and put together the financing on some movies, and I was all over the place. I was at in St. Petersburg, Russia, in Prague, and Budapest, and Cannes, France, and, and Paris, and um, Los Angeles, all these places, trying to put together uh, financing for a, a package of movies. And every time I would get close to putting the, the money together, they would fall apart for the strangest reasons that you could ever imagine. And finally, I after a, this went on a couple of years, I said, I said, Theo, you know, I've been requesting benevolent outcomes each time, and each time, you know, when it fell apart, I'd say, okay, you know, something better is going to come along. And it hasn't. Why? And he said, Tom, that was not on your soul contract. And had you gone down that path, you would never be able to to touch the the number of people that you're going to be able to with your books and your speaking. So that sometimes it just keeps us from going down the wrong path. Uh, we can definitely use um, some angelic help uh, these days. That's for sure. Yep. All you can get. I, I mean. That's why I, I started this. I, I'm, I've always been a person that has tried, that had to think outside the box because, as I say, I started, you know, even though I had a college education, when I got out of the Army, I, I, had, I had no money, virtually. I was paying off a student loan, and, um, uh, and, and I just had no, no money. So when I started, it was with, it was with foot power <laughs> and and all and my first business uh I started in Dallas was a single ski club for single adults okay and and ski clubs all over the country at that time were all non profit but mine was for profit and so it was like a tour club and and it was my business so that was a business when I started to, um, you know, when that grew, I eventually started a travel agency, which I knew absolutely nothing about how to how to run, and, and then that they evolved into a wholesale international wholesale tour company, selling my tours through 3,000 travel agents nationwide. Again, it was all OJT learning as I went along. And and I was always looking for ways that that I could uh, 
you know, beat the odds, if you will. And and so uh, one day when um, I was reading the Dallas Morning News and I read this um, uh, article that was an interview with an astrologer, and he his hobby was the Dallas Cowboys. Well, at that time, the Dallas Cowboys had never been to a Super Bowl. So you can imagine this was a few years ago. And and so the astrologer said, well, you know, the Cowboys are not going this year, but they're going to go next year. And I said, gosh, I've never read anything like that. So I tore the article out of the, of the paper, stuffed it in my desk. At the end of the football season, sure enough, uh, the Dallas Cowboys had not gone, and, and he had hit on about 80% of the reasons. So I said, hmm, I don't know how this works, but I reserved 300 seats down to Miami for the next year's Super Bowl, and I was the very first tour operator in Dallas to ever run a trip to the Super Bowl for uh, for the Dallas Cowboys. So after that, I started learning more about astrology. Um, I started having all my parties for the ski club, for these single adults and all, uh, when the Venus trine the moon or or Mars sextile Venus or whatever, and and the club <laughs> grew and and allowed me to uh, uh, you know to grow the business uh, from that standpoint. So again, I was thinking outside of the box that here's a way to help me grow my business that nobody else is doing. <laughs> That's a lot of legwork. A lot of legwork. Then uh, uh, in 1979, I started recording my dreams uh, every morning and had a notebook and, and a pen light and a pen next to my bed. And two weeks after I started recording my dreams, I had a very vivid dream of, uh, of an explosion with a woman and some men involved. And my wife and I were scheduled to go to Manila for a world Congress of Travel Agents, and uh, and it was so vivid that we canceled our trip to Manila and added days on to Hong Kong and Taiwan because we'd never been there. We wanted to go, and so sure enough, in the first day of the World Congress, terrorists blew up a bomb in the Congress Hall, injuring 10 uh, travel agents at the front of the hall, which is where I like to sit. So after that, I said, I'm going to record my dreams the rest of my life. And since then, I've had many precognitive dreams. I've dreamed about a Delta Airlines crash at the DFW airport uh, a week or so before it happened. I dreamed about um, the space shuttle blowing up uh, uh, before it did. And I, uh, before 9-11, I had three dreams, all somewhat symbolic, but uh, one dream was, was a biplane crashing, uh, which is symbolic of two planes. Another one was of a plane crashing near Chicago, a, a jet airliner. And the third dream was really weird. Um, when I dream about tornadoes, uh, something not very good is going to happen. And I dreamed about a tornado going across the face of, an, uh, of a high-rise office building and floating behind it sitting on invisible chairs was a line of people. So that that was only about a week or so before 9-11. 
interesting what dreams can tell us. Yep. There, uh, I have books and books and books of dreams, and and I highly recommend it to uh, anyone because it does help you start opening up. Because what's what's happening when you um, when you come out of the dream state and you start recording that dream, you will not remember your dream unless you record it immediately because you're still in a light alpha state. Well, I fi- I finally figured out that when I'm in meditation and talking to to my guardian angel Theo and others, um, I'm in a light alpha state. And and if I go deeper into meditation, uh, if I go into a theta state, I'm incapable of asking the questions and receiving what my guardian angel Theo calls uh, thought packets. Okay, that's what he calls them. And the thought packets come in through your right brain and and filter into your left, and and that's how that's how you communicate with spirit it is in is in a alpha state. Um, now, complete trance channels will go into probably more into a theta state where where someone actually has to um, ask them questions and they respond. You know, their personality steps aside, but not that's not the way I do it and not the way I teach it in my workshops. I show people that if you stay in this light alpha state, that you can communicate, ask questions. Cool. Um, what it, let's change gears for just a moment. Uh, sure. What do you think, uh, you know, spiritually regarding the Casey Anthony case? Okay. Now, what I'm going to to tell people um, may not be extremely popular. Okay. Uh, not from a standpoint, oh, I, you know, I thought she was not guilty. I mean, none of that stuff. I'm, I, we're really talking about it from a spiritual standpoint. So a lot, lot, a lot, a lot of soul contracts were involved in this trial. I mean, everyone from the child to the mother to the parents to all the attorneys involved, the judge, and and everything. So there were many soul contracts at work here, and and people have to keep that in mind. And I mention this because, as an example, my guardian angel Theo told me that when in the early part of World War II, I was a five-year-old Jewish girl with my parents, and we were slain by a German soldier. I asked uh, Theo, I said, well, um, had I killed this German soldier in another life? And he said, absolutely. I had killed him as a child in another life. And so this was, this was balancing the scales. Now, the, the problem from that German soldier's standpoint is that he liked killing too much, and he went on to kill a number of people that that he didn't, that weren't on his list, so to speak, to balance. And so he was eventually killed later in World War II, but he has a number of balancing lives that are going to have to come up where where the people that 
he killed will kill him, and he'll also have to suffer the loss of loved ones, as other people did, uh, to know how it feels to lose your loved ones. So I think, you know, part of this is going on, has been going on with that, with the Anthony trial, that there was balancing going on. And and I'm probably going to ask Theo about this, and I'll probably have it in my next newsletter. And for for your audience, uh, you can go to my website, www.thegentlewaybook.com, and on the front page, on the home page, you can sign up to receive my new my newsletter, which is free. And uh, so, uh, I'm probably going to ask about this to get a little more inside information. But uh, uh, using an educated guess from all the questions I've asked about about balancing lives and everything, I I think. There was a lot of balancing going on, and and it'll be interesting to see the rest of this uh, girl's life because she has a brand on her now, and and she's going to have to live with with the you know the scarlet brand across her forehead, so to speak. Um, it. it um, uh, you know she may have gotten off but but um she's not going to have a a, a very uh, a very good life i think so there there are many things i, I think the parents uh uh probably were balancing uh different things uh, from their standpoints and and then you've got so contracts of all these attorneys um you know the the lead prosecutor has now said that he's retiring this was his last case. Um, the, it'll be interesting to see the, what happens with the defense attorneys and all that, that were involved. You know, many, many sole contracts involved here. So they all had to play their own little part in, in everything that went on. Exactly. They're playing a role. That's that's exactly what how it happened. Every, everyone was playing playing a role. Keep in mind, though, what happened with all the millions of people that were watching this on TV. They exuded great compassion and 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 great love for that little girl. And so, what happens when when a mass population? Um, sends out this energy of compassion, it raises the whole population's vibrational scale, okay? So because uh, that one little girl through her death helped raise the vibrational level of perhaps millions of people. And it, it was so and I guess we'll never people. really know what happened. Yeah. Uh, it was the same thing for the the people that died on 9/11. Um, they 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 sacrificed their lives because it raised the whole world's um, compassion and raised the whole world's vibrational level because of what happened. So what they did 
was not only a balancing life for them, but at the same time they volunteered for it, knowing what a great impact they would have on the world. So it's it's a different perspective, you know. It's it's just, um, and that's what I tell people in my my newsletters. What what you will read in this newsletter will give you a different perspective on things. It, you will look at something from a different angle. Yeah, because uh, the Casey Anthony case is definitely uh, has the attention um, all over the place. Oh, <laughs> my my wife is. <laughs> <laughs> was was uh uh you know when i when i left to uh, uh prepare for the show the night why my my wife was watching uh uh you know tv and uh, to see what all they were saying about about what had happened today so i mean it it draws people in you know it it's great uh, it's great drama it's just that it uh, did not end like a lot of people thought it would and that's that's yeah. part of the soul contracts. As I live here in Florida, and um, the next county over is where they they picked the jury up from, and then brought him to Orlando. So it's it's oh, been okay. you know if everyone's around the country, it's like oh we're watching it all on the news all the time. It's like uh, one of the local channels there, Channel Ten, from four o'clock to five o'clock every single day. They had a live broadcast going on. They were talking about what was going on every single day. So we heard about it more, you know, morning, noon, and night. Yes, and and, and in when fact, they went know, ahead, an Orlando and, you know, station, channel thirty-five, I believe, the Fox station, that was also doing quite a quite a number of those live broadcasts. Yeah. So today, you know, when everyone else is, you know, watching regular daytime and seeing it scroll at the bottom as they're reading the verdict, you know, our local news media, you know, cut in. They're like, no, we're bringing yeah. you live from Orlando and and all this. It's like. You know, and you know the only one that really, um, you know, as far as the the uh, the body goes, is uh, there's still a mystery as to you know who did this to her. Yeah. So and it'll be one of those mysteries we'll uh, we'll probably never know. You know, and she definitely yep. that, that little girl's uh, sole purpose uh, definitely um, touched the hearts of a lot of people. Touched the hearts. Of- Many, many millions of people, and that's that's uh, you know to be able to go out of life and and only have lived to be uh, two or three years old or whatever, and and touch that many people, you know. She said, "Bring it on," before before she uh, uh, incarnated into this life. So there you go. I, um, hats off to her. So anyway, that's that's. Uh, something else to look at um so I see can, theo helps you out on a lot of a lot of questions and all yeah he does and and it gets into it turns out you know this world and this universe is so much more complicated than than i ever imagined you know when i started this work um I mean, my concept—I won't say it was quite this this simple, but but you know, let's take Clarence and it's a wonderful life. You know, trying to get his angel wings. I had no concept of what these guardian angels were, 
And it turns out these guardian angels are are whole souls, which means right off the bat they have tremendous powers beyond anything that we can imagine. But um, Theo told me that he was the very first uh, guardian angel um, to apply for the job, and he said the job description was golden light beings only need apply. And and basically, he's a golden light being, and all these other guardian angels, and there's a little over a million of them, uh, taking care of, of all the billions of people, okay? And, and it gets even more complicated than that. But, you know, a golden light being exudes a golden light because they're much older, they're much more experienced, and he really can't even explain to me um, how he got to that level, but but golden light beings are at a very, very high level, okay, much, much higher than than we can imagine. And, and it sounds to me like the only beings that are at a higher level are what he calls the creator's assistants. Okay, and these are are souls that that are at such a high level they do what the uh, the creator of this universe wishes them to do, and they have many jobs, I guess. <laughs> Who knows what a a creator's assistant does? But but I haven't quite quite gotten all the answers to that yet. But um, but there are over a million of these golden light beings. Um, uh, now, when I say they take care of all the billions of people, it turns out that each one of us are a member of a soul cluster, as he calls it. A soul group is the way I used to hear about it. And and soul groups or soul clusters, uh, he says, on average, there are six to 12 fragments of a soul um, that have these earth lives. So in other words, we're fragments of a whole soul, and our souls are having hundreds of thousands of lives across the universe all at the same time. And what's even more amazing is that each one of these fragments have 600 to 800 lives on average before they finish all the things that they have to finish, all the earth experiments, Experiment experiences they have to um, to have, and when I asked Theo why is there such a wide divergence between the 600 number and 800 number, he said souls have different interests. He said it's just like you, you know, one one person wanting to be an artist, another person wanting to be a scientist. All these souls have different interests, and some of the souls decided. Uh, or a portion of them decided that they wanted to get all these earth lives over as fast as they could, and so they they do it in in say 600 lives, and and so I call these the drama queens. Okay, these are people that you know that it seems like something is happening in their lives every month. You know, something uh, some great challenge, and and it's perhaps because their souls are wanting to have to get all these lives over with fast, where other souls say, oh, I'll take it easy, and I'll just do do it over 800 lives. 
so it, it all depends on the soul's interest. Now, the next complication that you get into is that besides taking care of you in all these lives, all these lives are going on at the same time. And so that's why I was able to communicate with that shaman in the 1600s because he was having a life at the same time I'm having a life. Okay? All these lives are going on at the same time. And then it gets even more complicated because each one of these lives, there are 12 timelines or 12 parallel lives going on all at the same time. So you multiply that, and these guardian angels are doing millions of decisions, and, and you know, they watch over us almost every minute of the day um, throughout our whole lives. So they're, they're constantly feeding us information through inspiration, all right? And so it, it, as I say, it's much more complicated than we imagine on the surface. So the angels in it there can help out a lot more than just uh, you or I at any one time. Right. I, I give the analogy that Theo could take care of two million parking requests all at the same time and not break a sweat. Okay. So, I mean, you know, people say, oh, you know, I don't want to bother my guardian angel. I'll only, uh, only request the big things. Well, no, they love helping you. They do it joyfully, but but you have to ask for the assistance, and you have to make it a habit. Or again, we go back to to the point I made before: is that you won't remember to do it when you really, really, really need need to be requesting a benevolent outcome. So it's it's um, uh, you know it goes. You have to trust that that these these requests you're you're making are done. Are, are given to you joyfully and and with great great love because this guardian angel is with you every single life and I've had people say well can I fire my guardian angel he's not helping me very much and I I asked Theo about that and he's he laughed and uh, you know you have to, you have to understand I'm getting thought packets but but you know he said this is very very amusing Tom he said what what happens when somebody fires the guardian angel, we just take on a little different persona, and then we both laugh about it when you come over to the other side. So, yeah, that would be uh, – there are times when it's like, okay, why aren't they helping us here? Yep. Any ideas but why they do that? You know, why it's like, okay, we're asking. Right. You have to understand. Um, Theo says that if we didn't have challenges in our life, it would be a very dull life and it wouldn't be any fun. You know, keep in mind, they're looking at all their lives, all of our lives, and we're only seeing the one we're in where we're having challenges and, gosh, how am I going to get through this day or this week or whatever, and and woe is me, and, you know, I'm I'm the terrible victim and, and so on. But these are all challenges that we are learning from in these lives and when you request benevolent outcomes he says it's like going down a road 
and if you, you're not requesting vanilla nut cones, you come to a, a wall that you have to climb over. And when you are requesting vanilla nut cones, the wall becomes a speed bump. It, it just makes handling the challenges much easier. You still have the challenge, but you get through it much easier than you thought you ever would. And what's the? Uh, I have someone in our chat room wanted to know what would be the e the best way actually to ask for um, for help at any time. Well, you know the best thing is to to say I request a benevolent outcome for, and 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 then thank you after whatever it, it was that you filled in the blank on. Um, when you request benevolent outcomes for other people, um, you know anything from from like an earthquake on the other side of the world, you can say a benevolent prayer for, and this is handled by another set of angels or another set of whole souls. And and I asked Theo, I said, well, are these golden light beings like you? And he said, no, they're younger souls, but they're eager. That's the word he used. And they handle all the prayers of all the people making in the world. And And so you say benevolent prayer is a little different uh, when you're requesting it for other people, I don't like let's just say you have a friend that's that's on drugs, and you say, "I ask any and all beings to assist my friend, you know, George, um, to find the best treatment for his drug addiction." Thank you. So you put it out there to say a prayer, and prayers are answered immediately even though there are soul contracts and maybe that person still has to learn something you have started changing the dynamics by co-creating with spirit so those are the two ways and if you notice both ways now in my first book i called benevolent prayers living prayers because that's what i've been told they were but i felt that it needed to be tied in together because they're, you know, they're still benevolent requests. And and in the living prayer section of my first book, why there's all different types of, of things. You know, you can say, you know, I, I ask um, any and all beings to assist the people trapped in, um, in the uh, uh, ruins uh, of this earthquake in Japan uh to be uh to be kept safe until they are are found and and found in a most benevolent fashion thank you something on that order and and when you say any and all beings it could be a human that finds them it could be a search dog it could be a child it could be um uh, even a bird or a cat that makes noises or it could even be a guardian angel that becomes physical for one or two hours and directs people to find that person. So you never know when you say any and all beings what's going to happen, but it, it's going to be benevolent. And by the way, for people that have a problem in saying benevolent, uh, Theo says that you can say, I request a MBO, most benevolent outcome. I request an MBO 
you know, uh, for my drive to work. Thank you. Um, uh, he says that that it doesn't. Your guardian angel knows what you're requesting, and if you have trouble pronouncing that word, as some people I've found do, um, that ha- haven't used that word very much before, then you can say MBO, which is the what's it called? Not an anagram. Um, <laughs> there's a word out there um, when when you use the the first letters of the words to put together. What is that called? Maybe one of your your listeners will uh, remind me of uh, of uh, of the word I'm trying to think of. Yeah, I'm trying to think of it too, and I'm drawing a blank. It'll come, it'll so come hope, later on, I'm sure. Yeah, I hope I answered uh, uh, that person's question. Um, the um, you know, some other things that I, I might mention you can do um, is that uh, you can say, um, uh, I request a compression of time. You can actually bend time now, okay? Um, so as an example, let's just say you have an appointment somewhere at 2 o'clock, and it's already maybe 1.45, and you know it takes 25 minutes to get there. You can say I can request I request uh, uh, a compression of time until 2 p.m. Thank you. And then you get in your car, you drive, you don't look at your watch, you don't look at the clock in the car, you don't look at anything that tells time. And when you get there, you'll find that it's like a minute or two before before two o'clock. You have bent time. And this this is something else that you can experiment with. Uh, you know, don't obviously you're not going to take my word for it, but try it out uh, next time that you you want to get someplace and you think that you're not going to get there on time. Experiment with this and with this and say I request a compression of time until. Thank you. See, we're getting people all uh, sorts of little spiritual tools tonight. Yeah. Which is always good. Um, somebody wrote in it was it's an acronym. Acronym, thank you. That's correct. Just couldn't remember the word tonight. Yep. So yeah, that's, that's the whole idea about the shows. A lot of times, uh, you know, is to help give people some spiritual tools to help them on their journey. Yep. Because they never know what to expect. And that's true, and and. Believe it or not, I mean, this spiritual tool is so powerful that you can change weather. I, I gave the the uh, example of a tornado earlier, but as an example, um, uh, I've I've had people in the UK, a group of people, test this out, so I know it works. Um, this is for northern latitudes where where sometimes it'll be cloudy for you know weeks on end. Um, one of the other beings or, that I speak with is Gaia, the soul of the earth. And she has told me, she said, Tom, even for these people that are in these northern latitudes, I will give them one sunny day a week, but they have to ask for it. Okay? They have to request it. And she said, I have to allow this because you're learning to co-create. And I have to allow this. So, 
I started thinking. I said, okay, what day of the week would be the best to have a Sunday day? And I thought, well, Saturday probably would be the best overall because that's when, you know, kids are out of school. Uh, perhaps they're, um, there are different kinds of ball games going on. Uh, people are shopping. They're out and about. And so why not ask for a sunny Saturday? And so I tell people in northern latitudes, hey, you can request a sunny Saturday if you're having a lot of clouds and looks like it's going to be going on for three or four weeks uh, or more. Um, you, at the first of the week, you don't wait wait until the end of the week. You, at the first of the week, you say, I request a most vanilla not come for a sunny Saturday, this Saturday. Thank you. Or a sunny day this Saturday, however you want, want to word it. And you will find that you will have sun. And that's really amazing, you know, that you can just ask for it. Nobody thinks about that. Oh, you know, poor me. You know, I live in a place that that it, it never the sun doesn't shine for three months of the year, or, you know, whatever. But but you have the ability to change that. We don't have to worry about Florida, do we, or Texas? <laughs> I hope not. <laughs> you only have to worry about a couple of hurricanes coming your way this year. That's what the uh, yeah, that's I know what, it's uh, going to be. Uh, yeah, because I'm in the uh, Tampa area. Yeah, yeah. My uh, well, Gaia told me that that um, there's going to be um, a hurricane that's going to go up the east coast this year. That'll be a Category Four. And so it's going to mess up the East Coast. And then she said Florida is going to have two hurricanes this year um, and that the Gulf Coast, well, the Texas Coast, I'm not, uh, I, I don't know if I asked this uh, quite specifically enough. I may have to go back. Uh, but it sounds like the Texas Coast is going to have one but could conceivably have two. But she has had not at that time point uh, gotten the approval from our souls that she works with uh, and the soul contracts that she works with um, to have the second hurricane so that's something else that I've, I've discovered just in recent times that I used to think that our souls kind of got you know if here comes a hurricane and our souls say oh no here comes another one but it isn't that way it's it's all decided as part of soul contracts because um, as souls, we must experience um, catastrophes one or more lives. And, and so, you know, it can be in your second life you lead or, or your 800th, but you, you have to experience catastrophes like earthquakes or uh, hurricanes or tornadoes or whatever um that that has to be an experience that you have so um so or, or flooding i mean you know all these things are are uh, uh disasters we call them disasters and and but the soul has to have these experiences why couldn't it happen to another life <laughs> 
That's what a lot of yeah. people say. <laughs> Why does it have to happen in this one? And, Why can't it happen in, in number yeah. 800, you know? <laughs> well, let me alone. <laughs> yeah, so. and it's uh, it's interesting what happens because I've had, um, you know, being here in Tampa, in the Tampa area, and, um, you know, I've, during the uh, housing crash when it started, you know, we moved out of our house and we've been living in a travel trailer. Uh-huh. And all these hurricanes coming by when we had Charlie and Rita and Wilma and all them. And we actually had two hurricanes come right over our house, right over where the trailer was. Wow. And, you know, okay. we're watching on radar as we're getting almost 80 mile an hour winds. I'm like, oh, that's it. Forget it, you know. Yep. Come home and nothing was moved. Other trailers around us had a little damage. The mobile homes had their roofs, you know, uh, lifted up and all, and screens were down the whole bit. And, you know, I had a little plastic empty flower pot out there, and it wasn't even moved. It was still where I left it. And I'm like, oh, Oh, okay, not bad. You have a good guardian angel taking care of you. And and you might have said a little prayer on the way. (laughs) Yeah. But this year I've been a little upset. Um, We had a storm come by, and we weren't home. And um, we still live in a travel trailer. We're in a bigger one now. And uh, yep. storm came by when we weren't home, and they had tornadoes coming around, and um, it ripped our awning off. And today we had this heavy. We just got it replaced about a month ago. And today okay. we had these heavy, heavy downpours. Like the sky was just opening up, and yep. you know we got the awning tilted a little bit. Well, it rained so hard and so heavy, it uh, pounded up on the awning. And there must have yep. been a defect in it because the awning, uh, the main support bar, split in half and broke. Uh, and I'm like, okay, don't I get a break here? <laughs> well, l- let me tell you something that Guy has said that I can do, okay? Because I live in tornado country for sure. And and I, I said, okay, Guy, what what do I do? Do I go outside and say, you know, spread out my hands or whatever. And she said, yes, Tom. She said, you go outside and you say, I welcome gentle rain facing the storm or, you know, you can do this in two or three different directions. I welcome gentle rain. I welcome gentle rain. You say that three times. And so far it, you know, it absolutely works, and I have had a couple of tornadoes that have been heading. Now, they were like five or ten miles away, but their path was straight towards us, and and they never they never even come down even close. So um, that's that's something that you can do uh, the next time that you know you've you've got a heavy storm coming. Just go outside and and just I realize you might have to kind of hide yourself from the the trailer people, you know, the people in the next trailer or something, you know, might be looking outside, what is this this crazy guy doing? But stand out there. Well, they already they, know I'm crazy, I, so. Huh? They already they know, they know I'm you're crazy. crazy? <laughs> oh, yeah. Well, good. <laughs> there's There's got to be a few of us out there. <laughs> Does it? But, otherwise, uh, it, yeah, it, and I've it, done that before you know, does, too. Life is too dull. Yeah, yeah, and I've done that too. Where you know we've had uh, tornado warnings where there, you know, uh, you see the storm clouds and radar showing it coming right at us, 
And I'm like, nope, I am not worried about it. And all of a sudden, you see on radar where the storm clouds, where all of a sudden it splits up into two different cells. One goes south, one goes north. And then they go ahead and go past us. And then they rejoin together again. And it's, it's like, that is weird. And I'm like, yeah, I told you, we're fine. Yep. So, you know, you've got something going on there, too. Uh, it's just that you need to fine-tune it a little bit. Um, and speaking of fine-tuning, um, uh, I've got um, uh, another saying that I use all the time. When someone asks me how old I am, I say, I am ageless, okay? I do that for two reasons. One is psychological, and that's the one maybe I'll tell somebody that <laughs> that is not into metaphysics at all. And the other one is metaphysical. And the first psychological one is that you can trick your brain to believe that you're ageless, okay? Because everyone has an idea of what, Someone should look and act like, you know, at 30, 40, 50, 60, 70, 80, okay? And when you say you're ageless, you're, you're tricking your mind. And the other reason, which is metaphysical, um, is that I believe, and this may come sooner than later, um, that scientists are going to be able to figure out that our cells are cognizant and they communicate with each other. So when you are telling your cells that you are ageless, you slow down the aging clock because the cells tell each other, hey, he's ageless, he's, you know. And when I have to, when I'm, when I have to fill in my age on a form or something, I actually have to, to count up from my birth date and, and count on my hands a lot of times. I don't remember how old I am. And so you might try this because I've had people tell me that have experimented with this, and within two to three weeks of starting to say this, they can't remember their age. Cool. Yeah, that'd be interesting to do. It's like, and then I tell everyone, I said, "Oh no," they're like, "How old are you?" And, and um, you know, I tell them, I said, just about uh, about a week ago. I tell everyone, I said, well, I was celebrating my ninth anniversary of being 39. <laughs> well, I, I guarantee saying I'm ageless, is, it'll work better to, uh, all all through those uh, those years from from now on. You might give it a try. Um, yeah, I'm going to have to do that when they're asking so, me how old I am. It's like I'm ageless. Yep. I, I might mention, uh, you know, to the people that have, perhaps have, I've just t tuned in to us that um, not only do I have a, a free newsletter, which you can sign up for on my homepage at thegentlewaybook.com, I also have a free blog. And the blog has nothing but MBO stories, benevolent outcome stories in it, that people continue to send me every single week from all over the planet. And and it's just these great stories week after week. I'll have anywhere from four to six to seven benevolent outcome stories that that I'll put in my blog. And this is more for people that are just starting to request benevolent outcomes um, and, and want to get lots of different ideas of how other people are, are requesting them, what they're requesting for. Um, you know, it's 
it really uh, uh, is a great way to uh, to get into it. I even have a couple of sample chapters of my first book uh, on on the website, and it gives a lot of of uh, the mundane requests that you can start with to begin uh, to be, to begin requesting benevolent outcomes. Um, if you'd like, uh, uh, all your listeners tonight, if they don't want to have any problems with identity theft uh, in the future, I can have them say something now, and uh, that will take care of the, the potential problem. That sounds like a plan. You can do that. Okay. All right. Um, now, everybody out there, uh, repeat after me. I request a most benevolent outcome that my identity in all its forms be safe and secure now and forever. Thank you. <clears throat> Oh, that's easy enough. Easy enough. That's all you have to say. And uh, I had um, I had a lady email me recently that had that actually had said that quite a long time ago, and uh, she and a friend were in a uh, uh, went to a, I think it was a a, a Michaels or a, or a, a MJ Design or what Michaels whatever. Uh, you know, art store, whatever it's called. And she said normally when she's in there, she always buys something. And and but they both left without buying a single thing. And she said this is was really really unusual. It, they always bought something. And lo and behold, it was not two days later that they found out that on the day that they were there. Someone hacked into the computer and stole all the uh, all the credit card information and everything of of the people that had bought stuff in the store that day. Oh wow! So, so they were protected. You can definitely use for protection, especially nowadays. Yep. Uh, a lot of a lot of that going on, and it's uh, it, it you know that brings up something else uh, that I've I haven't mentioned. People always are asking me, well, um, uh, how often do I request a benevolent outcome? You only Theo tells me you only have to request it once, okay? But if it makes you feel comfortable, you can request a benevolent outcome multiple times. But you only have to request request it one time. Now that's a little different on a a um, benevolent prayer. I have a benevolent prayer that I say each um, uh, each morning when I get up, and the, the benevolent prayer goes like this. And I'll, I'll kind of give you why why I wound up saying it. It goes, I ask any and all beings to come to the aid and comfort of anyone that I've ever harmed, either physically, mentally, morally, spiritually, or emotionally, in any past, 
present or future life, and I ask any and all beings to come to the aid and comfort of the families and friends of anyone that have ever harmed in any way in any past, present, or future life. Now, you can find that benevolent prayer, first of all, on my website under signs, okay? But the way that came about was that back in 2006, my book had just come out, and I was supposed to be going, uh, driving down to Houston um, to uh, speak at a metaphysical church uh, about, uh, about benevolent outcomes. And um, so uh, I had this little cough, and I couldn't get rid of it, and so I decided to go uh, uh, to my respiratory doctor because I, I've, I come from a smoker's family, and I've had respiratory problems in the past. And so I went to the, uh, my respiratory doctor, and I said, Hey, doc, why don't you prescribe one of these inhalers for me because I've got this little cough, and I don't want to have it in two weeks when I go to Houston. He said, Tom, uh, he checks me out, and he says, Tom, I'm not going to prescribe that for you. He says, uh, you've got congestive heart failure, and you're going to go downstairs and check yourself into the hospital uh, right now. And uh, and I said, well, I, I, I'm Doc, I'm glad I wore my clean undies today. So um, uh, I went downstairs, and his office was in, was in the hospital, and uh, checked myself in, and my heart was racing at about 130-something beats a minute. So they tried a um, – uh, they first tried to shock my heart uh, to get it back down, and uh, after putting me under, needless to say, that didn't work. Naturally, I'm requesting benevolent outcomes for all this. And so the uh, the next procedure they did, they brought in a a um, uh, electrocardiologist, one of only three in Dallas, and he sent catheters up into my heart, and he catheterized the the little cells that were misfiring, and that that worked okay. So here I am, and I'm saying. Uh, not only did I have that that uh, uh, meeting to go to down in Houston, but I had I was supposed to be going to Cannes, France, from uh, this TV market I go to twice a year um, in Cannes, and I had to cancel my booth. And then I was for the very first time ever I was going to go to the Frankfurt Book Fair, and I was going to have a, a booth at the Frankfurt Book Fair to promote my books. And I had to cancel that too. And so I said, Theo, why did this happen, you know, causing me to cancel both both my books and my trip? And he said, Tom, he said, in, a, in another life you were in a war. And in the war you killed people, some people, um, and even though it was war, you brought grief and heartache to the families and their friends. And so in order to balance things in this life, you decide to have physically to experience uh, heartache yourself. And so it was a balancing life this time that I had that. And so I started thinking about it, and I came up with that 
benevolent prayer, and he said, this is great. He said, this is the first life of all of your lives that you've been inspired to do this. And he said, you need to say that every day of your life, the rest of your life. And so that's what I'm doing. And he said, for anyone that says this, it will help them in all their other lives, past and future, besides this one. So I highly recommend, you know, printing out that that benevolent prayer, putting it up on your bathroom mirror or somewhere, and saying it each morning. You it will it will give you benefits that you can't prove in this life, but it will give you future benefits. Yeah, I was uh, looking over at the uh, your uh, signs page for the different benevolent benevolent um, outcomes and prayers. So it's very yep. um, uplifting. Yeah, and and there's another one there that I say each morning, and it's, um, I expect great things today, I expect great things tomorrow, and I expect great things all the rest of this week. Now, Theo says that when you say that, it's like a benevolent request, <coughs> excuse me, for for the uh, uh, for the whole uh, week and or, or and the whole day and everything, and it allows your guardian angel to be extremely creative in bringing things to you that you never would think to ask. As an example, in my business, you know it'll be someone calling up out of the blue saying, "I want to order a hundred movies." Or something like that. Um, you just never know what, who's going to ring in, and this stuff. And he says it, uh, these good things will start happening to you in as little as two weeks of saying, starting to say that uh, expect great things mantra, as one of my my readers called it. So we that's what we call it now, a mantra. Yeah, mantras are definitely uplifting, and we need we need them in our lives every day. Well, it's it's a very positive thing that you're you're expecting great things each day, and it and it it just opens the door, and you know to the unknown. But the things that you say, wow, I wasn't expecting that to happen. That was fantastic, you know. So, so all we have to do is just open our minds and uh, and have faith. Yep. And but uh, you know I can tell people all night long <clears throat> that that requesting benevolent outcomes works and and saying benevolent prayers works and all. But until you start experimenting with this yourself and until you start trying it and and try it for a month, <clears throat> you won't know that it works until you have your own personal knowledge, your own personal experience. So it's, but I guarantee this works better than if anybody ever saw the secret, all the things that they put in the secret, all those modalities and everything were around 30 years ago. They just repackaged everything. And and did a great job of it, okay. But but you know it's it, it, again this 
positive law of attraction and everything, they don't work perfectly. And when you request benevolent outcomes, it works perfectly. I uh, I, I requested a, a benevolent outcome when we were on a cruise. First of all, I, I requested benevolent outcome for the cruise to be really great. And my, so my family and I were on this cruise of the Caribbean out of Houston. And on the last day of the cruise, they have a coverall pot uh, for bingo. And... And they had coveralls all the, during the week, but they stopped it at a certain number of of, of pulls or, or you know numbers, and nobody had won it all week. And so on the Saturday before uh, before the Sunday docking, uh, they were going to have this this uh, coverall until somebody won. And so I was sitting there with like three cards, three or four cards. And I was with my daughter and son. My wife had decided to read a book. And we were sitting there, and I didn't, it didn't appear like anything was going to happen. I was way behind everybody else. And suddenly, you know, I had my best card had like five numbers left. And I, I figured any second somebody was going to yell bingo. And so suddenly they called the fifth number. And then they called the fourth number. And then they called the third number. And then they called the second number. I'm getting really excited by this time. And the very next number was the number, my last number, and I yelled bingo. And this 10 or 12-year-old kid sitting next to me uh, yelled bingo too at the same time. And I'm sure people thought that he was my son, but it, it, he, was, uh, he was the son of another family. And we wound up splitting an $8,400 pot. Wow. So it works even even in things like that. But you have to understand that people say, well, can it work on the lottery? I have never had anyone that requests benevolent outcomes uh, tell me that they ever want anything on the lottery. Theo says that that a uh, sudden wealth, whether it becomes by lottery, an inheritance, you know, whatever, uh, it happens, uh, you know, a stock goes through the roof or something like that. However you have sudden wealth is a soul contract. And so if you if your soul contract does not read that you're going to have sudden wealth, you can play the lottery and request a benevolent outcome every time. But that's going to be the reason that it doesn't work. But by the same token, you can say, well, I request a benevolent outcome to win enough money in the lottery to pay, you know, uh, off this car or something like that, or to, uh, you know, pay uh, down on my kid's school. And and it seems like it works a little bit better if you if you request smaller smaller amounts for specifically you know for you for a, a certain use it does seem to work the best that way and i've had people i had a lady that told me that she won a two thousand dollar coverall on a alaskan cruise i have another lady that told me that she won seven thousand five hundred dollars uh a bingo pot and and numerous other people with various smaller wins 
300, 500, that kind of stuff. So it, it does seem to work if you're requesting for smaller things. Okay. We'll have to give that a try then. Never can tell. You can request a, a MBO each month to pay your bills if you're having problems in paying your bills. Um, if if somebody is in a um, is in a job where they're on on uh, uh, not salary but commission, when they go to work each day, they can they can request a, a benevolent outcome for a great uh, day with with customers that will buy from them and they'll find people that will walk in the door and and you know even though if they're on a rotating uh system with other other sales per- people um they'll get they'll get a great uh sales for that day so that works well good i'll have to go ahead and um Definitely try. I mean, I I know that the um, and I have to keep reminding myself sometimes, but I know the universe never lets me down. So yep. you know, with doing a radio show and doing a website, it's like you know I need to have a certain amount of money coming in, and the universe yep. always sees that you know I have that money coming in, and uh, you know when they're telling me no nope, time to change things around, and if I'm like hesitant, they're like, well, you know, you're not going to have the money to cover that because you don't need it. So, you know, right. it just gives me just enough to, to take care of things. And it's like, okay. It's like, so, you know, just keep on waiting and uh, seeing. And, you know, and I'm always grateful for the for the help that the universe does give. And But yet, and you you do have to be patient. And that's the thing. Um, and and it really tried my patience. We have, we had, a, uh, my wife and I owned a, a large house in a, very expensive section of Dallas, and we decided that we needed to downsize because of our age. Our kids were grown. We didn't need to be in this uh, school system that was one of the top two or three school systems in the state. And uh, uh, so the first thing that happened was that um, she kept dragging me out to uh, to look at, at uh, this house and that house and uh, and and I started requesting benevolent outcomes <laughs> to to get a to get the house, and uh, we even made a offer on one, and we didn't get it because someone paid the full asking price, which was quite unusual, even though this was three years ago. And finally, I said, okay, I request the most benevolent outcome for the perfect house for us. And she found it the next day. Okay, so that happened. But in the meantime, uh, well, you know, we had to move into the other house because because we have our business. We work uh, out of our house uh, in our business. And um, uh, so we had to move everything out of the other house because <laughs> nobody would buy a, a house that looked like a, you know, looked like an office on the second floor. And, um, and so after we moved, uh, we we put the the first house on on the market, and it sat there. 
and it sat there, and it sat there, and I'm requesting benevolent outcomes, and it sits there, and it sits there. Finally, and I I was asking Theo about this, and he'd say, oh, yes, it's going to sell in three or four months. Well, as it turned out, he was telling me this to keep our spirits up because he knew how long it was going to sell. And he he kept telling me, when you sell it, it will be a benevolent outcome. And so I said, okay, I, I don't see how, you know, because we're going to lose this house to the bank, you know, because we were spending so much money and there was so little money coming in off the business because the world economy was in the toilet and and people were not buying TV programming. You know, the advertisers were not were not buying ads, and so they had to make do with having repeats. I mean, that that happened on the world. So um, so finally, um, um, three years pass. Okay, or almost three years, and and he's telling us uh, it's. Um, it's going to be a benevolent outcome when it happens. And so um, about three weeks, uh, well, I should say uh, in in March, late March, um, we were having a couple of real estate agents tell us, your house is underpriced for this market. It's too low priced. One of them even thought it was a short sale. And so we decided to, uh, we very cautiously decided to raise the price of the house $100,000. And three weeks later, a couple walked in with five kids, loved the house, bought it for cash with 14-day closing. And and so it was a benevolent outcome. But, boy, what a challenge, what a, a sole contract challenge it was in holding on to that house for three years. So they were able to help out. Yeah, I mean, you know, to you know to raise the price. I mean, everybody uh, is always saying, "Go down your price, go down your price." That's what real estate agents always tell you. Luckily, we we had taken the house back over from uh, from we'd gone through two different real estate companies, and we took it over and started doing the open houses ourselves, and. Uh, and so we raised the price, and you know most people would have said we were crazy, but we felt we just felt it right to raise the price, and it worked. We would never have gotten the price we got on the house had we uh, had we left it at that at that price. So you never know. Never know what to expect. Yeah, and but I, I'm just, you know, these are some of the challenges that you have in life that you have to understand. But when you request benevolent outcomes, it makes it easier. We could have, we, uh, if we weren't requesting benevolent outcomes, we probably would have lost the house because we had to, you know, convince the uh, uh, the bank that you know let us continue to try and sell the thing. And uh, and we were able to, but it was it was really touch and go. <coughs> Excuse me. And I'm sure that was a little uh, little scary to do when they were telling you otherwise. 
Yep. And uh, so I, uh, uh, you know, if you'd like, we can talk for a minute about these communications that that I do with Theo. Sure. Since we're uh, we're running down a little bit on time, um, when you know, I, I'm going to kind of explain how we do it. All right. Um, as I mentioned, when I do these these um, uh, meditations, I put myself into a light alpha state. Now that means you have a beta state, which is is full consciousness. You have alpha state, which is light meditation or light uh, hypnosis. You have the theta state, <clears throat> which is deep hypnosis or deep meditation. <clears throat> Excuse me. And then you have a delta state, which is is sleep. Okay. When you, if anyone already meditates. It may be that you go all the way down to the theta state. Again, in order to do this, you need to keep yourself at a little higher level. You need to keep yourself where you are aware that you can open your eyes and read a question that you've written down on a page of paper, type it onto the computer, <clears throat> excuse me, and um, and then listen for these thought packets that come into your brain and for the answer and um and that's that's a problem because the first thing it sounds like you're thinking and talking to yourself so you say you know when i say theo uh, theo on my shoulder and he, he always says i'm right here by your side tom and so i could think oh well i'm just thinking that but i continue on say okay i've got some questions for you today and let's begin um or a lot of times i'll say uh, i'll wish him a good morning and and a good life to all not only to him but all my guides and and a little side note on guides everyone has sets of guides now if you're having a very mundane sort of life you know let's just say Someone that I don't know uh, has has a very mundane job, you know, uh, singular existence, whatever. Um, maybe you'll only have your your two major guides that are part of your soul cluster, and they are with you your whole life. But if you start doing lots of different things, in my case, I had two guides that assisted me in my tour business and then they left when I sold that tour business and when I started this um, uh, this film distribution business which I knew nothing about um, I just knew I wanted to do it um, I had two guides to assist me <clears throat> and they're still assisting me today excuse me <clears throat> and uh, <clears throat> the uh, uh, so you have these guides that come in and out of your life. I also have two guides 
that help me with my writing. So again, it all depends on what you're doing. You know, in in your case, Michael, um, it might be someone to help you um, uh, with your radio personality or with um, uh, you know with the internet or or what have you. I mean, it, it all depends on on what guides you need to attract. And these guides are not, they don't just suddenly show up. They knew before you went into this life that you were going to need them. And they volunteer out of love. They volunteer also to learn more about how all the system works. So they're getting training themselves by by helping and trying to download you to give you inspiration on your writing um, or in your job or whatever it happens to be, they are constantly trying to send you messages. And Theo tells me that when I'm receiving these thought packet messages, they're completely different than when you're uh, in inspiration because inspiration can affect your whole energetic body. And some people, as an example, their big toe hurts when there's a storm coming or when an earthquake happens somewhere in the world. That's inspiration. That is getting them a message um, through their energetic body, body, not a thought packet that comes into your right, right brain and goes to your left brain. Okay? So there's a difference between those. Artists and, and musicians and all, um, they're receiving inspiration. And I once asked about Bob Dylan. And they said, oh, you know, he doesn't, he doesn't know this, but he said there's – they said you can imagine this long line of writers. Because I was asking, how does he write such different – Music, you know, one time it'll be like this, and another time it'll be like that, and um, and and they said it's like a, a different set of writers lined up, and and they're whispering in his ear, um, and he thinks he's doing it all himself, but but they're actually helping him write the music, and it's different. It's different um, uh, uh, guides that are are doing this yeah our guides uh you know i've heard we have guides that help us do uh, many different things we have joy guides and um you know to help us when we're feeling down to make us happier Mm -hmm. hadn't asked about that um i've only i've only assumed that that you know your main guides kind of take take care of that because they know you so well because they're part of your your soul cluster. Speaking of soul clusters, I was really quite surprised to learn a few months ago that I, I used to think that people that the soul fragments in your soul group or soul cluster uh were like peas in a pod that and and each one of us would just say, "Well, it's my turn, you know, for this life. Oh, it's my turn for that life." and you know that's how it worked, but it turns out that each that your soul created each 
fragment differently with different interests and with different vibrational or frequency level, okay? So that each one, so that the soul could get maximum learning out of all these lives that are happening and especially out of all these uh, parallel lives that are going on at the same time because those 12 um, uh, timelines are divided into fours. So you have like timelines 1 to 4, 5 to 8, 9 to 12 that are that are divided uh, by larger frequencies, and then they're subdivided into twos. So as an example, we're on timeline number six and coupled with timeline number five. And But there's a big jump between timelines one through four and then five to eight. As an example, on timelines time one and two, I've already died from that congestive heart failure. I didn't make it on those two timelines. And in timeline number three and four, I never got into the film distribution business. I'm still, uh, I was still doing uh, tours, and I'm starting to write a book about about my uh, travels and everything from the tour business. So, completely different kinds of lies. So, and how could we find out about all these different lives that we've experienced? Um, by starting to meditate and starting to talk to your own guardian angel. Now, I do have workshops. I'm going to be doing a workshop in case any of your uh, uh, listeners are going to be in Houston at the end of this month. I'm doing a workshop July 30th at the Soul Explosion and Living Green Expo. Um, otherwise, I recommend um, that people go to www.dicksutphen.com and click on his prohypnosis, and he has a CD called uh, Spirit Guides. And if you start listening to that uh, enough, he takes you down um, into that alpha level where you can listen to uh, you can um, listen to it and then ask your own questions of your own guardian angel. And and the only the only thing that you have to watch is to make sure you don't trip out, as it's called, because if you get too comfortable, he has this great melodious voice. And if you get too comfortable, you'll drop into that theta state, and that's called tripping out. And uh, and I'll I'll find if I'm overly tired, if I haven't gotten enough sleep, and I try and meditate uh, in the morning, um, suddenly I'm tripping out, and I wake up, you know, like one or two or three minutes, and then I'm back into my alpha state, and I'm I start answering answering questions, but it it makes it makes the meditation uh a little long suddenly it's an hour and 15 minutes and i've been going and and uh uh you know i've still got a couple of questions still to ask so it's um uh, but that's that's the way you can do it it's 
if you already meditate, just go into that alpha level and say, I wish to speak to my guardian angel. Are you there? You know, and a lot of people ask me, how do I how do I find out the name of my guardian angel? Well, Theo is not the name, real name of my guardian angel. Theo told me when I asked this very same question, he said, Tom, he said, we're not really big on names over here. Uh, your vocal cords are not made to pronounce angelic names, and you'd just become frustrated if you tried. So he said, you can call me Tom, Dick, or Harry, but Tom would be a little confusing in your meditations. And so he said, call me whatever you want. So I thought about it, and I felt like I was inspired to call him Theo. So you'll, if you say out loud, Guardian Angel, what name should I call you? You might get an immediate response, or maybe it'll filter in in one of those inspirations in one day or five days or a week or two weeks. Suddenly, you'll just kind of be halfway thinking, I wonder what I should call my guardian angel, and bang, there'll be a name that pops up. That's the way it, that's the way it works. Well, I'll have to definitely go ahead and do that when I do my meditations tonight and ask for some most benevolent outcomes. Yeah, it's it's uh it starts you on a on a a path and that's what's really great about it. I never imagined when I started requesting benevolent outcomes that I'd be able to someday communicate with spirit. And I really believe that that requesting benevolent outcomes raised me up enough <clears throat> that I found it easy even for me uh, uh, with with all the blocks that I had in in, <laughs> in doing this um, that I was able to start doing it. Now, when I first started communicating with Reveals the Mysteries, this Indian shaman, he told me that my reception level was about 15 to 30%. So don't expect you're going to be perfect right out of the the chute, so to speak. Um, there, but he says, practice, practice, practice. The more that you practice, the better you get. And he'd tell me that every time I'd say, "Well, I'm, am I up to forty percent? Am I up to fifty percent?" You know, and and he'd keep saying, "Practice, practice, practice." Finally, I stopped asking. And every once in a while, they'll tell me, you know, you, you know, you received that absolutely perfectly, or something, uh, or you're you're doing fine, Tom. You're receiving this this quite well. So, um, but I I estimate that I'm somewhere in the eighty to ninety percent accuracy, which is pretty good. Yeah, I, but it's taken. Thousands of questions. I mean, I mean, I've got <laughs> pages and pages and pages of questions, and it helps that you know people send questions into me because I would never have thought to ask all these questions myself that people ask me. And and it's you know, all you about how those. you uh, word the questions. Yep. And well, it's. 
not so much all about how the wording. Um, it, it's just um, it's, it's just saying Theo or Gaia. Gaia, I ask um, Earth questions of. You know, people ask me, well, you know, about uh, recently they asked me about Puerto Rico, and Gaia says that she's going to have a major earthquake in Puerto Rico uh, in a little over six months. And she also says that um, that Japan is going to have another major earthquake and tsunami within six months. And the tsunami will not be as large as the previous one, but still will be destructive. And this earthquake will cause the fault system or the fault line lying near Tokyo to rupture, and it will cause earthquakes on down from Tokyo down to the south. So that's supposed to be coming up. Now, um, <clears throat> last summer in 2010, I was told that Japan was going to have a, a major earthquake. Guy was telling me she was going to cause a major earthquake around the last of August or the 1st of September. And then, as you notice, it didn't happen until March. So, you know, I don't, I haven't ever quite figured out why, why I'm told it's one time and it happens another. I've asked about that, and and uh, I, I get different, you know, answers that that, uh, uh, and, and and then I was told that that California was going to have severe earthquakes. The right after uh, December the 25th, and it hasn't happened yet. But even yesterday, I was told that um, uh, Gaia said that that she's going to have some earthquakes coming up for California fairly soon. So I don't know how soon is soon. So anyone that's out in California, just uh, be prepared. Yeah. Request a benevolent outcome to not be there when it happens. That's the best way to do yep. it. So I would like to remind everyone uh, as we're closing in, uh, the website is www.thegentlewaybook.com. Sign up for my newsletter and uh, and blog, if you will, and um, uh, explore the website. It's got lots of resources. I have every single one of my newsletters archived there, all the way back to 2007. You can um, uh, you can start reading the newest ones and start working your way down. I've actually had people that have that have actually gone through, read every single one, and gone through and started reading every single one again because there's so much material and so much stuff in there that you get something out. Of, out of reading the same thing two and three times, which is kind of interesting. There's there's levels Good. of answers in there. I'll have to do some exploring on your website. Hope so. Well, thank you, Tom, for joining me tonight. It's been very um, enlightening and enjoyable, and we'll have to definitely have you back again. I've enjoyed it. Thank you very much, Michael. And and uh, everybody, try it. Uh, 
start experimenting with requesting benevolent outcomes, and you will see a dramatic change in your life. I guarantee it. It works in work, in personal affairs, everything. Give it, give it a shot. That's what I did. So have okay. a good evening. Well, again, thank you very much. You have yourself a wonderful evening, and we'll talk to you again real soon. Take care. Bye. Oh, thank you, everyone, for tuning in. That was Tom Moore, The Gentle Way. So, um, let's see. So we got uh, Thursday night. Medium Mark Anthony will be our guest. And then, of course, Friday is Bro Perkins. Check out the new website, BeTheLightRadio.com. Until then, everyone, know that you are loved because God loves you, and so do I. <laughs>